Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Penske, and you're on Inside Supercar. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel and Tony Westlock. Craig, you uh, were a very busy man at the mountain, talking to a lot of people, and none more so than getting Tim Edwards to tell you about uh, what happened as they went on the road with Dickford Racing and their four cars and 50 or so people to uh, win a championship or at least try and win a Bathurst or two. Tim Edwards, it's been a remarkable year for supercars and for teams based in Melbourne it has been even a, a bigger effort. Can you put into words what you have thought of what your people have been up to do this year for uh, keeping the sport alive. I'm not sure I'd use the word remar- word remarkable because <laughs> yeah, that sort of has positive connotation. So it's been a very difficult year for supercars and for the teams, and particularly the Victorian guys. That you know, over 100 days away from home already. So you know, it's been very tough. But you know, the, the guys have knuckled down and they've just got on with it. So in some ways, it's been very rewarding as well to, to see what we can do. And, you know, even as a team, the, the results we've got, you know, if you walk in our office in the truck now, you know, there's a lot of trophies that normally get emptied out after a particular race because you're there for two weeks before you drive off to the next one. But because we haven't been for home for so long, we've got a, we've got an overstocking issues of trophies in the truck office. So not a bad problem to have, but it's, um yeah, look, it, it's been difficult, but, you know, I th- it's in so, uh, you'd probably say it's also quite satisfying. You know, no other motorsports happen in Australia, two or four will. Um, but we've managed to put together a very solid season of, of racing, 10 rounds. Um, and so, you know, I think for the whole category, it's, it's you know, you know, sense of reward really that, that we've been able to do it. It's uh, it's um, a lot of people, you know, not just this team, all the teams up and down the pit, pit lane, particularly the Victorian teams, have um, have dug pretty deep this year. And so it's, um, you know, they're the ones that really deserve the credit for, you know, from the, all of the supercar fans for, for what we've been able to achieve. What does supercars look like if you couldn't have asked and had all the crew members do what they've done? Well, who would know? I mean, it'd be like a lot of other championships that haven't got off the ground and and the, effectively their staff haven't been working all year and they've been packing boxes in warehouses and various other things. So, you know, as a, as a, as a business, which is ultimately what Supercars is, you know, I think we've... Um, you know, we went into survival mode, much like all the ball sports, you know, AFL, NRL, you saw all of the, the major sporting codes, which are all professional sports, grappling for how they keep their sport alive. And thankfully, supercars have been able to do that. And the teams, have, and obviously the knock-on of that is that teams have been able to do that. And, um, you know, and, and in amongst all that, we've managed to negotiate a new TV deal with Channel 7, um, you know, for, to, to shore up our future and roll out Gen 3 car of the future. So amongst all these other things that have gone on, you know, you couldn't have put more hurdles in the way of anybody, you know. The fact is we're having weekly commission meetings, talk, you know, and, and you'd go from a Monday meeting to a Friday meeting and you've gone from racing at QR to Sydney Motorsport Park to Tail and Bend in a week. I mean, you know, normally you, you roll out the calendar in, you know, in October and you know what you're doing for the for the next 15 months and we've literally been telling people what they're doing next week. <laughs> um, 
and and the teams have adapted. You know, we've had to, um, and it's it's quite remarkable that what we've been able to achieve. The fact that we've been on the road and done eight or nine back to back events, and in the past doing one back-to-back event, you know, two races beside each other. There's kind of been a, you know, a stretch for the teams and and look what we've been able to achieve. Obviously, it was to keep the business alive, to keep it going. Next year, what from this year makes commercial sense to repeat? Oh, well, I mean... It wasn't just to keep the business alive. I mean, it's what we do. I mean, it's, it's why these people are involved in this sport. You know, they enjoy motorsport. So, you know, we needed to go racing, you know, not only to, to keep the businesses alive, but also to fulfill, you know, wh- wh- why we all got involved in this. Um, you know, what rolls out next year? Well, you know, there's a there's a calendar that will be announced in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very solid. There's an unknown about, you know, whether we have 25, 50, 75%, 100% fans at, at the events. You know, we don't know that. We don't control that. That's controlled by the governments. And so all we can do is put our best foot forward and, um, and put on a show, for, you know, and, and if there's anywhere between 25 and 100% fans there, Great, uh, you know we know the TV audience is still going to be there, which is a, you know, which is a, a bigger number by event. Um, but I think you know there's a lot of positives, and uh, and particularly you know moving into a new era with Channel Seven. I mean, you know, you know that that's going to be a big step up for the sport. You have had your European case hardening, as uh, my colleague Tony Whitlock likes to call it. Case hardening. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what he says about young drivers yep. that go to Europe. They've been case hardened by the, the what they experienced there. You've had that in a different sense to a driver. How much of your experience and understanding about long, long distance away from home came into some of the decisions you made about how you can help this team continue on? Um, well, I don't, I don't know. Where, where, where do you put down your experience in, you know, when you're making decisions? You know, I've also had another 16 years or so back here since I left Europe, so it's hard to actually quantify, well, why do you make any decision on any day? Is it because you learned something 20 years ago or because you learned something five weeks ago? Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, you know, there's a whole group of people. You know, I've got some very experienced people in the team, and they've all stepped up to the plate from Maddie, my team manager, to Clive, my operations manager, Ozzy, my chief engineer, who's been the sole engineer back at the factory, keeping the, you know, the production guys fed with drawings and, you know, um, and the engine guys um, under control with building engines. So there's been a whole host of people who's who've pulled this together and then there's the guys actually on the ground who've actually delivered this you know they're the ones who've executed it they're the guys that generally get back from a race and you know they've got a support network around them of all these sub-assembly departments and composite departments and all these things which they haven't had so they're literally pulling parts off the car and in some instances rebuilding it themselves on the bench in the sea world convention center um you know who would have thought <laughs> And this is where relationships and partnerships has really come to the fore. I know that uh, with the uh, the bailout to Sydney, you had sponsors, head office in Sydney that have been able to give you some support. SeaWorld and relationships there have been able to give you support. What 
What have you learnt about your partnerships and the strength of those partnerships? Well, some of them were, weren't even partnerships that even existed before this. I mean, bizarrely, we've had Woolworth stores giving us vouchers for food through a member who had some relationships there. Clearly, the SeaWorld. We, we had no relationship with SeaWorld prior to this, and now you know we've had the Village Roadshow executives, you know, showing their family and friends through through their convention centre, proudly showing off, you know, four supercars in various states of repair, um, and and the SeaWorld. You know the whole Sea World um, community um, you know, business have been outstanding. You know we know all of the staff there on first name basis because we've been living in and out of there between rounds for months. So you get up in the morning and you go to the bar area for a coffee and morning, Tim. You know and you you know you don't even have to ask what your order is. So um, you know there's even a bit of dating going on between some of my mechanics and some of the bar staff. So it's um you know they, they, you know the SeaWorld people actually became, you know, close friends because we were there for so long. You know, the guy who ran the, the Japanese restaurant there, you know, would look after us intimately. Even the gardener wrote me a personal letter just thanking us about how outstanding we were because, you know, he was a bit of a Ford fan, but, you know, just the relationships he built with some of our guys because we were there for so long. So, and we had nothing to do. We didn't know anybody at SeaWorld prior to this, and it was just a relationship I had with Gary Reed from Showtime FMX, who who's associated with them, who made the introduction. They said, yep, happy to help out. And they gave us a convention centre to use, or their conference centre. Um, FOC, just, you know, trying to do the right thing. So it's it's been amazing along this journey how, you know, companies are trying to help out other companies. And, you know, of course, they see a little bit of benefit because, you know, we did some media around it and things like that. But, um, yeah, and I they think... Were, they were in the same position as you in some respects. They couldn't have a crowd come to their facility. So you're, you're helping them out in a way that might not be tangible at the turnstile well, in yeah. a couple of weeks. Well, yes and no. I mean, potentially when we first started staying there, but by the end of staying there, every single room was occupied. Through the Queensland School holidays, they were fully booked and we were consuming a lot of their rooms. Uh, so, look, you know, it's, it's been incredible. And then there's actual sponsors who've helped us out as well, either paying for dinners for the team or even coming like um, Mark Bevan from Helltech, you know, he came out with his daughter and literally they were making lunch for the guys when they were Sydney, at Sydney Motorsport Park, you know, mucking in. And he's going to be here again this weekend with the, with his wife and daughter. So they don't have to do that. But, you know, they, they just they feel like it's their way of, uh, of of helping the team, you know, giving it, you know, a bit of a family touch, I suppose. I know how much when I've spoken to the boys over the phone and Zoom conferences in during the year, I know how much they appreciated what you did bringing the families there. What, it's, you know, you were already talking, you'd already been talking about the cost of keeping it away. What was the real cost of doing that for the team? Well, the, the financial cost. No, the real cost, because there's a financial cost, which can be a negative, but there's a whole lot of positives that can come in. You know, that's what a loss leader's for, as you yeah, well know. Well, the, the, the positive was that I, that I kept my, my workforce motivated and, and prepared to stay away for an indefinite period. I mean, bearing in mind they'd already been away for six, eight weeks, whatever it was, um, when, we, when we did that with, you know, at least another two months to go. So, I mean, at the end of the day, this business is built on its staff. You know, without its staff, it's 
it's nothing. Anyone can go and buy a CNC machine. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's the staff that actually design the stuff, program the stuff, you know, operate the stuff. Um, so you know, the, the, our workforce is is our business. So you know, we felt it was worth the investment to um, you know to ensure that we got the best out of them, and you know that that they remain with us. Another thing that has been said to me, and it's a it's a tough one because uh, it was broached in the terms, but not explicitly said. But broached in the terms of survivors' guilt, the guys and girls that were up here that weren't experiencing the lockdown back at home were, you know, feeling a bit hard or awkward about what was happening at home. And, of course, no one had any control on that. Well, I mean, the reality is I, I think both sides have had it equally tough and bear in mind I've experienced both sides. So, you know, I think for those that have been away, yeah, you know, they're, they're the ones that get the public recognition or acknowledgement that they've been away from their families for three, four months. But the ones that are at home are also other um, office-based staff that have literally been working from home for six months. So they've had no social interaction with anybody. So they've been working at home, living at home. Um, and then they've got others that have been on various forms of stand down, you know, um, because we've been away for so long. So, you know, everybody in this business has been impacted just in different ways and, and both have had it very tough. What have you learned about yourself? That, Cooking for 30 people isn't my forte. I'd cook five times in 20 years and, and uh, for the last six, eight weeks, whatever it is, I've been cooking for 30 blokes who eat a disgraceful amount of food. It's just wrong how much they eat. Um, and But, look, you know, in some ways I've found that rewarding as well. You know, I think even myself I've got, I've formed relationships with people in the team that I wouldn't have thought I had. You know, I'm going out for dinner with people that I wouldn't have actually done that before. Um, so I think, you know, for me, it's been rewarding in that way that you know um, that you know I've interacted with the staff a lot better, and and you know, and visually I see them interacting differently with each other than they normally would because generally they come away for three nights, they're at the track hotel, track hotel, go home. There is no sort of social interaction, and now you've got a group of people who've lived together, and I mean slept together, not in the single bed way, but in two twin room bed, bed way, slept together, worked together, ate together. They've been in each other's pockets 24 hours a day for for a very long period of time, and you know, and the relationships that they've all formed are very different to the relationships that they probably started this monumental exercise with. I have a German friend who's got a, a, a German wife who says she cooks for both kinds of people, the people that like her cooking and the people who don't. <laughs> Is that your view of your cooking? Well, they have no choice, really. I, you know, I have cooked good and bad meals. I've tested their taste buds as well because not all of them are curry eaters, but I've cooked Thai green curries and probably pushed some of them you know, out of their comfort zone with what they'd normally eat. But I think, you know... Um, uh, you know the whole thing's been uh, educational for everybody, but I haven't, I haven't touched wood. Nobody's had food poisoning yet. <laughs> now, touching on what you were saying about these new bonds that everyone's made, do you think this year has been so difficult? You normally have a churn. Do you think by the relationship building and the relationships, you might not see the churn you would normally expect to see over the course of the off season? Oh, look, to, to be honest, our churn is very low. You know, we don't we don't churn a lot. Um, 
I don't know what I don't know. It's impossible for me to predict, you know, how many people are going to want to churn. Is there going to be other jobs opening up that they'd even want to risk going to the market? And I know of one person who's leaving because he's had, a, you know, a, a, a lucrative offer from elsewhere. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'd be thinking of if I'm a Melbourne team and they're dating the uh, bar staff up no, in no, no, Queensland, no, 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 then don't you don't want that one, do you? <laughs> They've all been lobbying me about renting the techno factory and moving the team there. They're all, they all want to become permanent Queenslanders. So, yeah. So, look, no, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure there'll be some churn, but that's that's just, you know, can't predict it and we'll uh, we'll just deal with whatever happens. You don't know what you don't know. What are you looking forward to over Christmas when you do get to put your feet up? And I imagine it won't be till about the 24th of December that that actually happens. Well, it really depends on whether dictator Dan lets us out of our house. <laughs> so, you know, I, I certainly intend to get away on the water, um, but, you know, nobody can predict what they're going to be doing at, at Christmas because nobody knows what they'll be allowed to do. So we'll just wait and see. You know, certainly my hope is that I'll be able to go and sit on the lake, drink some beers, contemplate what just happened, uh, and fingers crossed, you know, the, the numbers stay as low as they are and and we're, we're allowed out of the... Um, Iron Curtain or whatever they call it around the, the Ring of Steel or whatever it is around Melbourne. Whatever, um, hopefully that's relaxed by Christmas so I can actually go and enjoy that. Well, Tim, have a fantastic Christmas and uh, congratulations on what your team and, and you as the head of that have been able to do this year. Yep, no worries. Thanks. Well, that's it for Inside Supercars. Thank you for listening to Inside Supercars with Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. We'll talk to you next week with more news from Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.